I'm excited about preaching this morning. The word that I'm going to share is a word that God gave me the very first week I started this series on building a memorial to God. And uh, I was actually standing up here in the middle of worship, and uh, as I was going over the sermon from two Sundays ago, the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, I'm thinking about memorial offerings, and he says to me, look up the widow at Zarephath. And I quickly grabbed my phone, my smartphone, and uh, I looked up the Bible story, and I found something very interesting, so much so that it literally moved me uh, emotionally that God had pinpointed exactly something that happened in the Old Testament that was a memorial offering. And I'm going to preach it to you this morning. She made a memorial offering. She made a memorial offering. That's my title. And uh, I want to just rehearse for all of you in Leviticus chapter 2, when God was talking to Moses about the order of worship and how to worship God. All of these sacrifices were elements of worship and their fulfillment, they were pictures pointing to Jesus Christ. Wasn't that neat last week how we saw that the memorial offering with the incense, Jesus was the fulfillment of that six days before he went to the cross. And then when he broke bread with his disciples, he was the fulfillment of the grain offering that was part of that memorial offering together with the oil. And here he was breaking bread and telling his disciples, eat. Eat my body, take it. And uh, he was calling them into the ministry. How many of you enjoyed the, the message last week? Give me a wave or shout or say something. Yeah. And so we're going to pick up this morning uh, as we look at Leviticus chapter 2. It says, when anyone brings a grain offering to the, to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. Excellence. God wants excellence. The difference between Cain and Abel was that Cain brought the best of the firstborn lamb. And Abel brought whatever was left over from his harvest. You know, for God to be first in your life, you have to treat him like he's number one. For God, you know, we can say God is first. But for God to be first, we have to treat him and worship him like he's number one. Give him the order of precedence. Amen. We give him the order of precedence. He is first. When anyone brings a grain offering to their Lord, to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour, and they're to pour olive oil on it and put incense on it. You know, I don't know if you've ever made bread. I like playing in the kitchen and uh, cooking up different things. And I've been experimenting, as I shared with you last week, making pasta, fresh pasta from scratch. And ever since I've been reading this, I've been thinking, I've made a few loaves of bread. I am going to make a loaf of bread purely with nothing but flour and olive oil. I might throw 
some rosemary in there and a few other seasonings. But this has got me enticed to see what the bread would taste like. He says they are to pour olive oil on it and put incense on it. If we can go to the next verse. And take it to Aaron's sons, the priest. And the priest will take a handful of the flour and the oil together with all the incense and burn it as a memorial offering on the altar. And a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If we go to the next verse again. It says, bring the grain offering made of these things to the Lord, present it to the priest who will take it to the altar. He'll take out the memorial portion, uh, that is the portion that has the incense in it. He will burn it on the altar as a food offering, as an aroma to the Lord. Next verse. And then the rest of the grain offering would go to Aaron and his sons. And this is what God says. It is a most holy part of the food. Offerings that are presented to the Lord. It is a most holy part of the offering presented to the Lord. Last week we talked about how Mary anointed Jesus of Nazareth with a year's worth of pure nard. Here he was six days before the Passover He's about to give his life. Jesus talked about unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, he knew that his life was about to be given as a sacrifice to take the place for every shameful thing I've ever done, that we've ever done. He was taking our place. But one week before that sacrifice, here he is, very contemplative of what he's about to do. And God moves on Mary's heart to take a year's worth of wages in nard. Nard is a very expensive uh, uh, incense oil. Uh, it is taken from uh, a flower and it takes a lot of it just to make a little bit. And so usually it was only uh, used for kings and royal people or wealthy, wealthy people. And Mary had a year's worth, a year's wages worth of it. She pours it on Jesus. She anointed him, the wheat who was to be crushed and ground and die on the cross, anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit, here she is putting incense on him just before he goes to the altar. You see how the Bible says separate it and then bring the flour and the oil to Aaron. Six days later, the night before Jesus is crucified. Six days later, the flour and just the oil, olive oil, are separated. And Jesus takes the bread and he says, this is my body eat of it. He became the meal offering. He is our bread of life. Can I get an amen? amen? Remember when Jesus said to the crowds, unless you're willing to eat my body and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. He is the fulfillment of the memorial offering. He is the fulfillment of the grain offering. And that offering was eaten only by the priests. 
And when he said to his disciples and to every disciple that would come after that, that's you, and you, and you, and me. He says, do this in remembrance. This is a memorial offering. Every time we take that communion, it is a memorial offering. And when he says to take that bread, that bread, that flour, and that olive oil was reserved for the priesthood. Do you understand that Jesus is the new high priest? And the priesthood has been taken from the Levitical tribe and it has been given to all who believe on Jesus Christ. We're called to be priests. What an honor that God would become flesh and be willing to die for our sins and then call us, every one of us, into this amazing priesthood. Pretty fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely. So now we're going to jump into the story this morning. And uh, this story takes place in 1 Kings. If we could pull the scripture up, we have uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. God sent a word through his prophet. He says, there's going to be a drought. And there was a drought for three and a half years. So much so that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus talks about that drought. And he not only talks about the drought, but in particular, he talks about the woman who is the key player in the story that's about to unfold. This woman, without even realizing it, created a memorial offering, and Jesus references it in Luke chapter 4. He talks about the widow at Zarephath. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of a background. Why would God want to send a drought over the land? Well, this was Israel, the northern part of the kingdom. Uh, Israel as a nation had split in two, and Judah and the Levites became part of the southern kingdom, and they had mostly good kings who feared God. But Israel, the northern ten tribes, had one king after another who did his own thing, was rebellious, and served foreign gods. Well, in Israel at the time was a king named Ahab. And Ahab married a young princess whose name was Jezebel. Now, she was a princess because her daddy, Ethbaal, E-T-H-B-A-A-L, was the king of Tyre and Sidon. He started as the king of Tyre and he started to invade the land and increase his kingdom. He took over the land of the Phoenicians and all the way down to the area of Sidon. So he became the king of Tyre and of Sidon. He, he ruled a massive area right above the kingdom of Israel. So Ahab decides to make a political alliance with this king at Baal so that he would not invade him. He married his daughter, 
Jezebel. Et Baal means with Baal. Baal was a, a god from worshipped by the Semitic people, uh, by the people of Canaan, sorry. And uh, the legend of their gods goes like this. There was a head god named El, and he joined together with Asherah, the goddess of the sea, and they gave birth to a son named Baal. Baal overthrew El and became the main god. That's why in the Old Testament, when you read about Baal, you'll often see that not only were they worshiping Baal, but they had Asherah poles in the land as well. What this tells us is Ahab marries Jezebel and she brings her religion and her gods into the nation of Israel. And they took the whole thing on. They had prophets to Baal. They had Asherah poles. They had taken on the full doctrine of demons a demonic form of worship that at times even required them to sacrifice their firstborn child in a fire to appease the God of Baal. And so here Ahab, who knew better, for the sake of political alliance, because he couldn't trust that God would look after him, he did something in his flesh and he made a covenant with an ungodly source. You and I have got the God of all gods, the only God who is our source. And we need to make sure that we never make a covenant with the world in such a way that we actually involve and invite foreign demonic activity into our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have to worship, we have to remember and be careful that in our Christianity, that in everything we do, we're giving worship to the one true God, Yahweh, who came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and died for our sins. And so this was a pretty horrendous thing that had taken place. God had warned Israel, when you go into the land of Canaan, don't copy what they do. I'm bringing punishment and judgment upon them because of the atrocities that they've committed over the years while you were all in Egypt. In fact, when you study the history, it says when the time of fulfillment had come, the time of judgment had come, God brought uh, Abraham's descendants out of Egypt into Canaan as an act of judgment because of the sins of the people of that land. So here's Ahab, for political protection, marries Jezebel and allows Jezebel to bring in the worship of Baal and of uh, Asherah. And uh, the people had given themselves to this form of worship. And so God sends Elijah the prophet and he says, for uh, a period of time, which turned out to be three and a half years, there will be no rain. God is angry and he wants you to come to a place of repentance. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see uh, a, uh, Elijah makes this proclamation. Now that's the introduction. We're going to jump into this story. And in verse um, 
8. I think it's verse 8. Light's not as good over there. Okay. So, uh, sorry, verse 7. So, sometime later, God had sent Elijah to a brook, and he said, I'm going to feed you with the ravens. And the ravens, you'll drink the water from the brook, and the ravens will bring you bread, and the ravens will bring you meat. Everyone look at me for a minute. I absolutely believe that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And anything God could do in the Old Testament, he does even better in the New Testament. Because the Bible tells us that the covenant we live in today is better than the Old Covenant. And God could put it in the minds of ravens to peck at people's bread. As a fresh loaf of bread is on somebody's windowsill, a raven would pick at that fresh bread and then fly over to where Elijah was and feed him. They would pick up meat from an animal just dead and bring it over to Elijah. And Elijah had fresh water, fresh meat, and fresh bread every day. We have become too sophisticated. In our sophistication, we have trouble believing that God is going to provide for us. One of the things that God said to Israel, he says, I'm going to prosper you and bless you. But I want you to remember that when you become wealthy, don't ever say to yourself that the power of my own hand has brought me this wealth and this good fortune. Listen, it doesn't matter what job you have, what education you have, or what studies you did. We need to recognize that God is our source and any good thing we have has come from his hand. And we also need to remember that as we move towards closer and closer the closing act of humanity before the wrath of God comes, that whatever happens, God is our provider. I am absolutely convinced the same way he provided for Elijah, he will provide for his sons and daughters today. Can I get an amen? I hear so much about people planning for uh, the tribulation and storing food and making all of these provisions. You do what you feel to do, but not at the exclusion of believing and trusting that God has got you in the palm of his hand and God will look after you. Because if we can't believe that, then don't pray the Lord's prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread. Hello? Come on. You cannot separate the supernatural provision of God from your Christianity. Jesus took the miraculous of God and he was referring to the manner that God would provide in the middle of the desert. And he says, pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Don't separate the supernatural from God because then you'll have a God that's very ordinary. I want you to know that the God, Yahweh, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is not ordinary. He's extraordinary. He is miraculous. He is supernatural. He is powerful. And he can meet any situation that comes against us in this life. Can I get an agreement this morning? Amen. He is a God of miracles even today. Absolutely. So sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Now Zarephath is a town almost exactly halfway from Tyre and Sidon, right in the middle. And here was this widow. It was outside of the land of Israel. These were supposedly godless people. When Jesus quoted this woman, he was making a point in Luke 4. He said, why is it during the great famine, during the great drought, God sent Elijah to a woman outside of Israel, and he did a miracle for her. And yet there were many widows in Israel. Do you know sometimes the people that are meant to get the blessings of God are the very people who miss the blessings of God? And I want you to be the people who are meant to get the blessing who get the blessing. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. So the, the, verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now this drought, Angie, lasted for three and a half years. Isn't it interesting? God spoke to ravens and fed the prophet. And now God was going to speak to a woman who lived in a heathen nation where the nation was full of worship to Baal outside of Israel. But because Israel copied the world, God was more inclined to do a miracle for someone who didn't know better than the ones who were supposed to be called of God and they did know better. Wow, that just got really quiet. I just got the feeling that wasn't a, a very popular point. You see, we need to reflect on the whole counsel of God because all of it is given for our instruction. It's given as examples so that we live right in a world that's not right. Hello? We as Christians today need to be careful that we don't make alliances with the world. We have to make sure that we don't make agreements or make a, a covenant of trust in our own heart, even if the other person knows nothing about it, even if a political system knows nothing about it. But when we put our faith and our confidence in something other than God and the Word of God, we have created an alliance, and that alliance can be the basis of our downfall. God can speak to a raven. He could speak to an unsaved person. Every one of us who got saved, every one of us who have asked Jesus in our heart, 
How many of you here have asked Christ into your heart? Before you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to you and started convicting you. The Holy Spirit can put the thoughts of God in an unsaved person. And God said, I'm going to take a woman from Zarephath, from the land of Phoenicia, Syrophoenician, and I am going to take this woman and I'm going to talk to her. And she's more inclined to hear my voice than my own people. Wow. Let's go to the next verse. So Elijah went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering some sticks. Now I want you to remember, the first week I started preaching on memorial offerings. We're in the middle of worship. And God says, I want you to preach about the widow at Zarephath. I knew she gave the prophet her last meal. I didn't know, I didn't realize, I didn't remember what her last meal was. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, would you mind bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me a piece of bread. Next verse. As surely as the Lord your God lives. You notice she said your God. As surely as the Lord your God lives. I believe in him, but he's your God, isn't he? I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. That's a grain offering. This woman had no idea of the things of God. And the prophet says to her, she, she goes on and saying, I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and for my son that we may eat it and then die. So this woman was absolutely destitute because of the famine, which was a result of the drought that had come on the land, which was a result of the sin of the people and a curse that they opened themselves up to. And so this woman says, Sir, as surely as your God lives, I'm from this land. I'm a Syrophoenician woman. I'm from this land, but I know about you. And I've heard about your God. And I've heard about the curse that's come on this land and we're all suffering, Israel suffering and even us north of Israel are suffering. But I want you to understand, I'm, I'm collecting some sticks, some pieces of wood to make my last meal. I only have a little bit of flour and a little bit of olive oil, just enough to feed me and my son one last time. And we're ready to lay down and die. Now watch this. Next verse. The prophet says to her. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We live in a world that zaps our emotional energy. 
We live in a world that's constantly bombarding us with one crisis after another. We live in a world that is turbulent and full of change. And from today to tomorrow, we don't know what the next headline's going to be. It seems as if we're going from one crazy situation to another to another. And I want you to understand that the devil is the author of confusion and conflict. And confusion and conflict will put us in disarray and fear. And fear is a gate. That demons come in and harass us through. That's why the Bible is constantly filled with the command, fear not, fear not. Close the door on the devil. Put your confidence in God. Don't be afraid of the circumstances. Fear not. Shut the door on your enemy because fear will get into your soul. And out of your soul, you will see difficulty. You'll see things that will pull you down, destroy your mind, destroy your hope, destroy your emotions. It's very interesting. The prophet says to her, don't be afraid. And the word of the Lord to you today is don't be afraid. And why? This topic of memorial offerings teaches us Cornelius in the New Testament got visited. That was my first sermon. Got visited by an angel from God. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion converted to Judaism. And because he would bring offerings to the temple, because he would give to the poor, because he was devout and he worshipped the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God sent an angel and says, Cornelius, your offering. Your devotion, all this extra, all the extra miles that you go to, has risen before God as a memorial, and He remembers you. What am I saying to you? God wants you to understand the principle of memorial offerings. He wants you to understand that in your serving Him. Don't serve him from a lukewarm attitude, but serve him from a passionate heart that to go the extra miles, no question. When you're lukewarm, you won't even go the mile. But when you're on fire for God, it's no issue to go the extra mile. And here was Cornelius. He was a man of the extra mile in his passion and his devotion for God. And so much so that heaven, God said, I want an angel to visit that man. He has touched my heart. Everywhere I turn around, I see memorials sticking up out of the ground that testify of Cornelius' passion and his love for me. The prophet says to her, don't be afraid. Why is this word for you? Because God wants us to understand that no matter what happens in the world, he will look after us supernaturally. God wants you to know that it doesn't matter who's in the White House. It matters who is seated in the heavens as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter if the party you think should win doesn't win. It doesn't matter what happens in the natural. What matters is whether or not the sons and the daughters of God keep their hearts clean and stay uh, true to the word of God and believe that God can talk to the 
walnut-sized brain of a raven and bring us provision. Or he could speak to a beautiful widow, even a lost one, and get her to do his bidding. Don't be afraid, he says to her. Go home and do just like you said you were going to do. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have. I want you to understand, when God told them to bring a memorial offering, it had to be the finest flower. He's not the God of second best. He won't give you second best. What died on the cross was not some beat up angel. What died on the cross for our sins was not some rebel in heaven. What died on the cross was not someone who was a pain in the neck to the Father in heaven. God himself became flesh and modeled what a father-son relationship should be. And he gave himself on the cross. He gave the fat portions of the best. Can I get an amen? And here's this prophet telling the woman, make a meal for me first. Trust God. Don't be afraid. In these times, in these situations, church, I understand that if you look at the natural, you could go crazy. If you look at the natural, your heart could stop for fear. But if you look at Jesus Christ, you will rise above the storm and you will have the victory supernaturally from God's hand every time. He says to the woman, come on. You make that meal for me first. Put God first. And then make a meal. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. And then go and make a meal for yourself and your son. Let's look at the next verse. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Why? Because that fine flour and oil, if she ate it, it would have been her last meal. If she gave it to the priest, the prophet, there'd be enough for her and her son and that sacrifice, that extra mile, that given, giving to the point where it really hurt, that act of giving where your son's own life is on the line, but she believed God. The Bible says that Sarah... Abraham's wife, though she was past the age of being able to have a child, even though she was barren, now she's past the age. A double whammy, so to speak. But because she judged him who promised to be faithful, she received dunamis. That's what it says in the Greek. She received miraculous ability to conceive seed. Hallelujah.
This woman's little boy was on the line. And she makes a, a little loaf of bread for the prophet. Oh, there's more flour than I thought. There's enough for me and my son. The prophet said, the word of the Lord is this. You won't run out of flour and you won't run out of oil until the drought ends and the famine is broken. Listen, we could be the church that is very scientific. We could be the church of logic and reason. Or we could be the church of the Holy Ghost who lives on the wind of God's breath and believes in the supernatural. We have too many theologians who think with their head rather than thinking with the mind of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus proved bread wasn't an issue. They brought him five loaves and he fed 5,000 people. Can I get an amen? Yeah. He says it won't run dry. Let's go to the next verse. She makes that bread, and for the next three and a half years, her and the prophet, God said, go to the widow at Zarephath. She'll feed you. She'll support you. You're going to see in the second part of this story, there was an, a second floor to her house, an upper room, and the prophet used to stay there. The drought had broken. They lived well. They were totally protected. I want to tell you that if you hang on to the word of, the, of God and don't try to pull things together in your own strength, trust him, have faith, don't be afraid. God will supernaturally match anything you could have done and go far beyond. They lived for the next three and a half years and the prophet was fed by this woman who gave a memorial offering. Now watch this. She has had this tremendous miracle happen in her house. But in the next verse, verse 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. This widow, her son became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She ran to Elijah the prophet. What do you have against me, man of God? She understood he was a man of God. She understood that his God had power. And she said, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my son, my sin, and kill my son? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? I want you to understand today, I believe emphatically in my heart that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people of this congregation who still are under the condemnation of the devil and you actually struggle with believing for your healing because you are battling with a condemnation that tells you God won't forgive you that one particular sin. Here's this woman had been eating from the miraculous hand of God. 
Her son dies and she runs to the prophet and she says, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Isn't it interesting? She made a memorial offering before God. A memorial offering that Jesus referred to in Luke chapter 4. A memorial offering that caused heaven to open up just in her house. The whole region was in a drought, but this woman always had flour and she always had oil. Listen, the rest of America could, could sink, but the sons of God, if they stand on the word of God, will always be safe. Hallelujah. Isn't it interesting that she makes a memorial before God and God blesses her? And tragedy comes, and the devil puts a thought in her mind. Do you know that the devil will take our sins? And the Bible says in Revelation that he is the accuser of the brethren. And he takes our sin, and he can't bring it before God because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. 1 John chapter 1 Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of all of our sins. Look, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The devil cannot bring your sins before God because God has one standard answer covered in the blood. I don't even know it. Amen. David says in Psalm 130, he says, God, if you kept a record of sins, how could we ever stand in front of you? But thank you that you don't keep a record of sins. So the devil has, he meets a dead end every time he tries to bring my past into the presence of God and God just knocks him down and says, it is covered by the blood. I don't know what you're talking about. The only place where the accuser of the brethren can win his battle is in the battleground of your mind and my mind. And so the devil will take my sin from the past, which my Father in heaven won't remember. He refuses to discuss it. The Bible says he keeps no record of the memory of all the things I've ever done wrong. By the way, let's stop preaching for a minute. Everybody take a breath. Now turn to the person next to you and let's get really real and honest and say, thank God he doesn't keep a record of my sins. But the devil will keep a record of your sins. And he'll come as the accuser of the brethren and he'll try to use your past as a memorial in your mind. I want to tell you the only memorial that counts are the memorials in heaven and all God sees is forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. 
his son who became the wheat that fell to the ground and was crushed and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he went to that cross and there is constantly a memorial in heaven for everyone whose name is written in the book of life. They are forgiven, they are set free, and they are sons of the Most High God. Hallelujah. You see, the devil can only counterfeit the things of God. And so he counterfeits the concepts of memorials and he uses our sin as a memorial against us to tell us God couldn't love you that much. God will never totally forgive you. God won't forget it. He, here it is. Let me refresh your memory again. Let's go back to the verse in 1 Kings. The woman says to the prophet, she said, have you come to remind me of my sins? The one who reminds you of your sins isn't the son of God. The one who comes to remind you of your sins is the fallen one. How do you overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and the confession of your testimony. My sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house, be, her son became ill. He grew worse and worse, finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me to be a memorial of my sin and kill my son? Next verse. Can I go to the next verse? The Lord heard Elijah's cry. What did Elijah do? He said, lady, give me your son. He took that little boy, verse 19, 20, and 21, and he walked up the steps to the upper room where he would sleep. And he laid this little boy down on his bed. And the Bible says three times he laid on top of this little boy and cried out to God. Three times. He laid on this little boy. And he said, God, heal this woman. Heal her son. And in verse 22, it says, The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Hallelujah. The devil wanted to make a memorial in her mind of her sin and make her believe that God was punishing her because of her past sins. But this woman had made a memorial which was symbolic of the sacrifice Jesus Christ was going to make. She made a memorial offering before God, and God never saw Satan's memorial. God never heard those words. The only thing that God saw was this woman's faith and commitment, even at the expense of possibly her son dying. Listen, she gave that memorial offering in exchange for her son, and God gave her bread and her son. Amen. 
Jesus is a memorial in the heavens for you and for me. And God doesn't remember what we did in our past. He remembers what Jesus Christ did. And the thing that is constantly before him is the blood of the Lamb that cries out for everyone who puts their hope and their trust in him. Can I get an agreement? Amen. We could be blasé about our Christianity. We could go to church, do our thing. I paid my dues. I want you to understand from the heart of God that God says, I didn't call you to a religious observance of me. Don't do this out of duty. Because the only kind of relationship I really want is a relationship of passion. And that's why Jesus says in the book of Revelation, if you're lukewarm, that means you've already tasted the things of God. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of your, my mouth. I would rather you were hot or cold. You never knew. A memorial offering is created every time we go the extra mile. Every time we say to ourselves, you know what, this is inconvenient, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're trying to build a church in modern America that suits everybody's needs. We're building massive congregations on the basis of make it convenient. I want to tell you that the God of heaven doesn't want what's convenient to you. He wants what's best. And he wants you to offer it up to him. And then God will blow your socks off. And give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over the place. If you believe it, give the Lord some recognition. Amen. You know, it dawned on me as I was putting this message together. Here was this woman. She experienced the God of the prophet. She's living under the blessing of God. A crisis comes to her life. She made memorial offerings. Every time she made a fresh loaf of bread, she had no guarantee the flour wouldn't run out and the oil wouldn't run out except for the word of the prophet. And so to her natural mind, every time she took that one more scoop out and made that last bread with oil, every time she potentially faced the fact it could have been her last. And if I know God, I don't think he filled it all the way to the top. It was a faith journey every day. But there was always more than enough. Amen. And every day as she would scoop it out and stand on the word of the man of God, she would scoop it out in that memorial offering would pop up in heaven, pop up in heaven. Again, it would pop up in heaven. Do you know that when the time of her crisis came, an even greater crisis, her son had died. Her memorial offerings 
were speaking her name in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Listen, we are saved by grace and not by works. We are saved by grace and not by works. But that doesn't change the fact that God has given us the illustration of memorial offerings. And when we give, when we give love, when we give forgiveness, when we give service, when we, we take uh, advantage of, uh, not advantage, but we take advantage of the situation and go the extra mile for the Lord. We are building memorial offerings in heaven and the devil could try to come and raise up your past as a memorial, but not only will God refuse to acknowledge that, he will acknowledge the memorial offerings like he did with Cornelius and he will send his Holy Spirit, he will send his angels, he will send a raven, he will send a prophet and we have positioned ourselves for the miraculous miraculous power of God to intervene in our lives. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if it's the warm air in here. Everyone seems to be a little bit quieter. Maybe it's because you came home, Rick, and you're sure, Kathy, yeah? No, no. It's good to have you guys home. Church, if it's not a supernatural walk with God, then it's ordinary. And if it's ordinary, it's not God. I want to encourage you to start putting your confidence in God more than you put in your own flesh in your own arm, in your own hand. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. It doesn't matter what circumstances are saying. The God that you have a covenant with, the one who made covenant with you, the one who broke bread and poured out his blood is a God of supernatural doings. And he can talk to a walnut-sized brain of a raven. Look at me, come on, look at me. I don't believe for one moment I'm being unrealistic. If we're going to think from a natural perspective, yeah, what I'm saying is ludicrous. But if we're going to think with the mind of Jesus Christ, it's normal. What did the mind of Jesus think when Peter said, Lord, we've got to pay the temple tax? And we don't have the money to pay it. And Jesus said, Peter, I want you to throw a line in the water. In fact, throw a couple of lines. And the first fish you pull up in its mouth will be the four drachma coins that you need to pay. Two for you and two for me. This message today has nothing to do with the air conditioners. Please. God gave me this message as I stood here in worship three weeks ago. He said, look up the woman at Zarephath. I knew she gave her last meal. 
I didn't realize her last meal was flour and olive oil. And I'm worshiping God here, and I'm thinking about the sermon I was about to preach on Cornelius and his memorial offerings before God. And before God, I tell you the truth, the Holy Spirit put in the walnut-sized braid of a raven. Look up the woman from Zarephath. God considers you of great worth and great value. The world's going crazy. I don't care what side of the political landscape you're on. Can we agree the world is going crazy? And only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, only the God we see in the New Testament is going to get us through this. And while many churches are getting shallower and shallower, and they're preaching to the convenience and the comfort of people, while the church is getting shallower and shallower, memorial offerings before God are getting less and less. You see, you'll never be saved by your works. But God will also recognize you by your works. The blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus can ever cover for your sin or my sin. But he'll also see the fruit that we're leaving behind. Can I get an amen? It's not just what we pray. It's what we do. You want to have power in heaven? In the time of crisis, you want the God of heaven to come and supernaturally visit you? Then you need to know that your life could lay up memorials in heaven. And because of your faithfulness, because of your passion, because of your earnest and fervent desire to serve the King of Kings. Come on, church. Church is getting watered down. Christianity is getting slapped around. And demons are laughing at the church of Jesus Christ. Where are the Elijahs who will be the prophets of God in the last days? No, I'm not talking about the guy who stands behind the pulpit. I'm talking about the sons of God. Paul says in Romans 8 that the earth is groaning in anxious expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. We want to feed the church from a little baby food jar, Gerber food, you know. And we want everything to be convenient. Why? When you go out there, nothing's convenient. Why do we want to compromise the God of eternity and only worship Him if it's convenient? Only worship Him on the grounds of He's got to meet all my needs and He's got to do it within a very fast period. I want to tell you something. The world needs you and the world needs me not to be passive Christians, but to be passionate Christians. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of fire. Full.
full of conviction that he's a God of miracles and he's got my back. He's got my life. I love the fact that you come here. But I'm not looking to build a congregation. Look at me. Look at me. I'm thrilled you come here. But I'm not looking to build a congregation. I'm looking to build the body of Jesus Christ. Thursday night in Bible school, I had 27 students here learning how to move in the Spirit and how to prophesy. And as we were watching the speaker on video, I'm sitting up the back and I'm looking at the 27 students. And I want to tell you, I was excited and happy like a proud daddy. And I'm thinking the sons of God are learning to hear and to see in the Holy Ghost. We need churches that are full of God and we need churches that are filled with sons of God who are filled with God. Can I get an amen? Jesus is the answer. But he's not coming back down to earth until he comes to bring the church with him and the wrath of God to earth. The only way Jesus is coming back down to earth is through you and through you and through you and through you and you and you and you and you. And if we, the sons of God, don't understand and recognize and take stock of what he has invested in us, then the world will keep groaning and looking for the revelation of the sons of God. I don't want to be an ordinary son of God. I don't want to be an ordinary church. I don't want to be a pastor or a preacher that has a, a large congregation. Oh, I'm not against the numbers, but I'm not out to build a congregation. I am out to raise up the body of Christ. I am out to strengthen and to build up the sons and the daughters of the Most High. I am out to stir the heavens so that revival comes down and the sons and daughters of God, the believers, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. They will cast out devils. They will pray in new tongues like the prophet Joel said. And Peter affirmed, these signs will follow your descendants as many as are far off. Some want to argue it's over. I want to argue we've just begun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great is our Lord and our Savior. And today he wants to be great in his church. Great in you. So whether the land is in a famine, whether the land is in a drought, whether the land is in a turmoil, it's in the moment of need we go the extra mile and we make memorial offerings with our life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
And the more you lay memorials before your Father, the enemy can never penetrate because the greatest memorial of all is the blood of Jesus. It stops the devil dead in his tracks. Hallelujah. Every eye closed. As we conclude this service this morning and go on to the water baptisms, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, if you've gone to church but you've, you've never acknowledged your sin and said, God, I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my life. If you went to Sunday school, but that's all it was. If you were an altar boy, but that's all it was. If you never believed in God and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, today's the time to let Jesus Christ come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. While every eye is closed right now, put your hand up all across this auditorium if that's you. Thank you. If you want to ask Jesus in your heart, raise your hand right now and say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior today. I thank you, Father, right now. Everyone pray with me, come on. We're gonna pray this prayer. If you've raised your hand, I want you to say it from the bottom of your heart. Dear God, I believe you love me and I wanna love you. Jesus Christ, come into my heart today and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Oh God, forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. Wash away my sin. Break the chains of darkness. Jesus Christ, I welcome you to be Lord in my life. Come Holy Spirit and fill me afresh. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that when I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit told me there, there's several people, maybe a handful. You've been believing God for a healing and it hasn't come. But deep down inside also, there's this constant condemnation that because of something you've done wrong, God's not really going to heal you. And I want to tell you that that is a memorial from the pit of hell. And God doesn't listen in that memorial, and nor should you. Every eye closed for a moment. Who are those people that the enemy talks to you like that? You're believing for a healing right now. And the enemy tells you that you can't be healed because of a sin that you at times think is so terrible you struggle with it. Would you raise your hand? While every eye is closed, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand up the back. I see that hand. 
Come on, church. Can we rally, even though we don't, you don't know who they are, can we rally around the body of Christ? Can we be sons of God and put on the shield of faith and pray for them and with them? Will you agree with me right now? Everyone, put your hand towards the front. We're going to come into agreement. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every one of these people. And we speak to the lie that the enemy utters to them. We speak to the very enemy of their soul. And we say, devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. And we rebuke you in Jesus' name. We rebuke you in the name of the Son of God who defeated you and has put you under our feet. In Jesus' name, I speak to that lie. I speak to that memorial that the enemy has built in your mind. I speak to that memorial he has spoken into your emotions. And by the blood of Jesus today, we break the power of that lie and we release the power of the promise of the Word of God. Now we're going to pray for their healing. Come on, put your hands out again. Holy Spirit, you said these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We come into agreement for men and women in this room that have raised their hands. Holy Spirit, let the healing power come from your spirit gifts of healing we release into their lives just like you brought us the gift of salvation father we release the gift of their healing into their lives we release holy spirit the power of god to heal and to make whole in jesus name we speak health in jesus name we speak deliverance in Jesus' name. We break the power of the enemy and speak life into their bodies, healing into their bodies. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You know, I love the way everything in the Bible dovetails. A woman came to Jesus and she was Syrophoenician. She was from the same place the widow was from. And she says, I know I'm not an Israelite, but my daughter is demon-possessed and she needs a miracle. Jesus knew what was in this lady's heart. He saw her faith. Just like Peter saw the faith of the man who was crippled at the gate of the temple. He saw his faith. Jesus saw it in this woman. He said, woman, I can't take the children's bread. Point one. Healing is the children's bread. It's your daily bread. It's part of the blessings of God that come in that bread. He said, I can't take the children's bread and give it to their dogs. And that woman turned around. And she was probably thinking of that Syrophoenician woman, the widow at Zarephath. And she said, even the dogs deserve the crumbs. 
And Jesus looked at her and said, Lady, I knew that was going to be your answer. I knew that was inside of you. I got to tell you, she's one of the people I really, she's at the top of my list. I want to meet this lady. She was gutsy. She saw Christ. And she saw God. And she knew, irrespective of her failures, there's no way God, this good God of grace and mercy, would deny her bread. She said, even the dogs deserve the crumbs. And Jesus said, good on you, girl. That's the right answer. Come on. You touched the heart of God because you saw the face of God. Go. Your daughter is healed. Amen. Amen. I challenge every young man. I challenge every young girl. Every woman. Every man. And those of us that are starting to go over the other side of the hill, I challenge every one of you. Today is the day of God's salvation. Today is the day of God's miraculous visitation. Amen. Come on. Today is the day where the church needs to cry out like the prophet Elijah and say, God, raise up this son again. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. How many of you got touched by the word today? Well, give the Lord a clap offer. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, come on, if you have a need, I prayed for those who struggle with condemnation. But if you have a need right now, come on, raise your hand, everyone, right across this auditorium. I want my intercessors to put your hands towards them. As you pray for them, God will meet your needs if you had your hand up for a need. Father, we come collectively in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that no matter what the devil does out there, you're the God of in here. You're the God of our hearts. You're the God of our lives. You're the God who brings us victory. I thank you, Father. We pray over every man and woman. Let this word inspire them to another level. Let it affect their standard of Christianity. And God, let your supernatural power, blessing, and provisions overcome them. Where there need be healing, let there be healing. Where there need be deliverance, let there be deliverance in Jesus' name. Where there needs to be promotion or jobs, Father, we thank you. You're the God of miracles, and we receive miracles like daily bread from your hand. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You could say, oh, well, memorial offerings, that's Old Testament. It was in the New Testament that God acknowledged Cornelius' memorial offering. It's in the New Testament that Jesus spoke of the widow of Zarephath and spoke of her memorial offerings. Live your life in such a way. Follow Jesus. Run after Jesus in such a way that there's nothing ordinary about it. 
live for Jesus in a way that inspires other people of faith. Get excited about your Christianity. Get passionate about God. Don't let the world suck the air out of you. Be full of the Holy Ghost and decide in these days you will be the sons of God who rise up with power and healing and the Holy Ghost. The world needs what it doesn't know it needs. A G7 summit isn't going to solve squat. The world needs what it doesn't know it needs. It needs the church to be the church of Jesus Christ and take up the cry to heaven. Amen. Amen. If you believe it, give the Lord one last shout of praise. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn around, give someone a high five, a fist pump, an 